0: Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope, this one, and it's touchdown, this time going deep for Beckham Jr., gonna
2: catch it, he did! Hello everyone, welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio, my name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Unfortunately, Mr. Sean Siegel is under the weather this week and we want him to be a 100% for the Super Bowl this coming weekend. I know he wants to, to cheer on the Chiefs. So we have him as questionable at the moment heading into the, the Super Bowl. So filling his shoes today, I'm very happy to say, is Mr. Neil Dutton. So I don't know, Neil, with everything that's going on across the UK, if we can say it's a European edition or what we'll say, but it's from this side of the Atlantic Ocean, I think is a fair way to put it. So uh, as always, make sure you're following Neil if you're not already on Twitter at n dutton 13 Always a fun person to follow along there. Doing some amazing work up on the road of his site among other sites also. So, Neil, thanks for jumping aboard, and I guess we'll start off with uh, how are you doing?
3: I'm very, very well. I'd like to think I'm the Ryan Tannehill stepping in for the Marcus Mariota, but I'm probably more like the uh, Kyle Allen stepping in for the Cam Newton with
2: uh, sure not here, <laughs> so uh, it's been uh, you know. You're, every time somebody brings up something about Marcus Mariota, it really hurts my heart. Uh, I was just I was all aboard that Marcus Mariota train, you know. You know, maybe four or five years ago, and I still think I'm right in terms of uh, you know, in terms of managing the game, he's probably better than Jameis Winston. But in terms of scoring touchdowns, it has not worked out for Mister Mariota. And uh, let's just let's just leave it at that for Mariota, and we'll, we'll move along. Um, as always, yeah. um, you know. It's, it's a big week coming up here, Neil. It's uh, heading into Super Bowl Sunday. We are going to have a, a show coming out later in the I week. I had noticed. Yeah. <laughs> we, we are going to have a show coming out later in the week where we're going to preview the Super Bowl. So we're going to not talk too much about it today, but we have a number of interesting topics, including looking at some of uh, Neil's latest work up on the site that just came out shortly before we started recording this one. So uh, we're going to jump straight into it and uh, look a little bit. at. And at the end of the show, I know Neil is uh, doing some stellar work on some of the prospects as well. Uh, coming into the NFL draft. So we'll talk a little bit about them in the second half of the show. The first half of the show, we're going to kind of look a little bit at the QB potential merry-go-round and also a little bit of a look at the the fallout from uh, the San Diego Chargers from a dynasty perspective. So we'll start off, uh, first of all, I guess we mentioned the the Chargers, and I also mentioned the San Diego Chargers. I, I don't think I'll ever get out of that system the la charges of course uh phil rivers uh, looks to be out in la and obviously you've done a piece we're going to mention in a moment about that but from everything that you've seen so far what's your expectations on phil rivers it doesn't look like he wants to call it a day but do you think we're going to see him pop up uh, where, where would you think is a likely destination for this for the stand-up
3: well, the one that everyone seems to be connecting the dots to is with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because he has moved um, as opposed to living you know, out of a suitcase in LA while his rest of his family are God knows where. They're probably the size of a small country by themselves anyway. The only issue I would have is that the one thing we know that Bruce Arians obviously loves veteran quarterbacks. He, you saw what he did with um, Carson Palmer a few years ago. The one major difference between Carson Palmer back then and Phil Rivers now is that Whatever happened to Carson Palmer in uh, when he was at Oakland, and whatever had happened before Palmer's arm hadn't fallen off, whereas it looks like Phil Rivers's has. Now, obviously, I don't know. Um, I do men- make mention this in the piece I see for Unwritten about the dynasty fallout. I do make mention the fact that I don't know what use a noodle-armed quarterback in a Bruce Arians offense would possibly be. Um, I see last last year Rivers was. If you look at the bare face of it, he was quite productive. He had loads of yards, um, he had loads of attempts, he didn't have a lot of touchdowns, and he had too many interceptions. Now, I don't think Bruce Arians is going to want to go from a record-setting pace at interception throwing for someone who is merely adequate at throwing them. Uh, I think the James Winston experience might have put him off that, and he may be looking for something a bit more careful in the quarterback line. I honestly don't know. mean, We said a few years ago we seem to be in a position that 20 to 25 of the NFL teams seem to be fairly well set at quarterback, whereas now, a few years later, we now seem to be going back towards the maybe about half are okay with them. And Phil Rivers obviously was, a few years ago, was in that, yeah, yeah, if you've got Rivers, you're fine bracket, whereas now he's part of the problem. So it's hard for me to think, where he could go, where he'd be any great shakes. Because an awful lot would depend on, um, obviously, who the offensive coach is, what the offensive line is, and what the weapons are like. And it's tough to see any teams that have all those pieces in place that would make Rivers be successful.
2: Yeah, it's very difficult and I think you know, you mentioned that people are putting those pieces together and saying due to where he's located his family but I guess if you take them over to the east coast it opens you up to a huge amount of different NFL teams as well so he has been traveling from San Diego up to LA obviously so we could see a situation where he continues to travel for the last year or two of his career but you mentioned there the one concern you would have if he did end up in Tampa would be that arm strength and it's just not there anymore for Rivers so we'll see where Phil goes he's always a very fun guy to watch but it's going to be a, a difficult one to really decide but one thing i do think is for sure and we're going to as we go through this it'll continue there's gonna be a huge amount of fallout in terms of fantasy uh you know ramifications for skill positions in terms of where somebody like rivers ends up where the next person i'm going to mention who is uh, drew Brees, obviously the pro bowl last weekend talk of him making a decision over the next couple of weeks so let's hope he decides that he's going to continue to play but like the ramifications to I know I know we say Michael Thomas is pretty much quarterback proof, but there's big ramifications around all these things. And then uh, what do you think with Breeze? I, I can't see him hanging them up at the moment. I think you know they're they're too close to getting to the Super Bowl the last two years. I would be shocked if he hung up hung up the boots at this point.
3: Yeah, I'd be shocked as well. I mean the the worry would be if last season, while he did miss some games, he was still for the large part, he was still Drew Breeze. He was ridiculously efficient, he was ridiculously accurate. The danger would be from what he is now to all of a sudden he turns into 2015 Peyton Manning because we saw with Manning that when it goes, it just goes. and you know We've seen in the past couple of seasons that as the season has gone on, uh, breeze's arm strength hasn't looked the best. Um, I'm not going to say the Saints are a dink and dunk offense. That's not fair. But the offense is in place for him to not to be selective about when he decides to go downfield i would hate to think that he became someone who defenses didn't even have to bother guarding deep because he can't make the throw um, so but i'm i'm with you i mean brees wants to come back because i think it probably irks him that not only has he only won one super bowl he's only been to one uh, and especially since probably around 2000 2015, 2016 onwards, the Saints have been very, very competitive. They've been probably, you know, among the leading teams in the NFC. And it's because the defence is meeting them halfway. So Breeze doesn't have to put up, quote, unquote, video game numbers. He still is, but he doesn't have to because they have been able to rely on the defence and the ground game. The problem with the Saints is that, as stupid as this sounds, if you take away Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, there's not an awful lot else well, yeah, but Michael Thomas is the best wide receiver in the NFL and Kamara is one of the best running backs, so I think a lot of teams would probably kill for that. And it seems that's what the New Orleans Saints are doing with regards to their second wide receiver, as opposed to actually investing in someone and bringing them on. They're just content to throw any Tom Dick and Harry on the other side of Michael Thomas and then still just go, oh, do you know what, we'll just throw it to these two and maybe Jared Cook. So... I'd like to think that maybe the Saints are conscious that every year, Breeze is going to be year to year now. There's no point given him being ridiculously long-term about this, given his age. I would hope that they would decide this year to go all in and give him some serious help, either in the draft or free agency
2: yeah I, I, and people mightn't agree with this but i see a lot of similarities between the packers offense uh, and defense and the saints offense and defense based on how you mentioned one running back one wide receiver and the the star quarterback and then the the defense i think like they've they've kind of tried to build the team around that way and i think maybe that is the one piece that both those teams were missing uh, something you mentioned there too is you know the players like Pitt and manning and the arm strength completely falling off i think we're in a situation now where quarterbacks obviously weren't getting to that age 40 season now we're seeing a lot of quarterbacks between the ages of kind of 37 and 40 and then Tom Brady who's like 42 at this point we're seeing those sort of situations where the body is going to decline and and it can be quite rapid when you get to that age and it's just something that we aren't familiar with because we hadn't either seen quarterbacks play into that age or then them falling off quite as drastically as they have but I I do think then when that leads us into Tom Brady and um, obviously you know, there's, there's lots of different conflicting reports about what's going to happen there with the Patriots. Uh, do you think uh, Brady is somebody who's uh, going, to, going to be out of time there? Do you see him decide? I, I can't see him retiring. And, you know, as much as it would fit for him to retire with the Patriots, I don't know what they're going to do this year. It probably makes sense for him to see out one more season and retire. But um, it would be an interesting fit with the L.A. Chargers struggling to gain that market uh, in L.A. To, to slot him in there over in Los Angeles.
3: I've said on, on my podcast, Waxing Lyrical mains and Daughts, that it depends... Shameless plug. Shameless plug. <laughs> um, it depends who is going to make that decision. If it's Bill Belichick, I think it's 50-50 if Tom Brady's back. If it's Robert Kraft, it's a 100% that he's back because I don't yeah. think Robert Kraft could bear to see Tom Brady in another uniform. It's one of those situations we want to avoid. We I'm Obviously, I'm, I know I'm ridiculously old, but I'm not so old. I didn't see... Johnny Unitas in a Chargers uniform. I didn't see Joe Namath in, I think he went to the Chargers as well. It was at the Rams. They just looked bad. And because the age they were at the time they moved and the makeup of the teams, you saw none of their strengths and all of their weaknesses. The worry would be, and this is where the fact that Tom Brady is ridiculously brand aware comes in his favour, is he is not going to go anywhere that is going to put, that there's going to be a terrible offensive line, there's going to be no one for him to throw to, no one for him to dump the ball off. He's not going to do that. He's not going to look at, I don't know, some uh, team. He's not going to look at, say, the Bengals, for example, and say, do you know, I really, really want to play behind that offensive line because I just don't think at my age I'm experiencing enough pain uh, and I really want to put myself through it. So if he does hit the open market, and this will be the first time ever that he has, I say he's going to be 43, and he's never been a free agent. He's never been able to negotiate with 32 teams. He's going to be, he, I don't think he's going to be a, well, they're offering me the most money. I'll go there. So I think it would be a case of what they're offering me. Do I think I can win a Super Bowl and rub the Patriots' noses in it with that team? Or should I just stay with the Patriots and try and win another one? So it's a tough one and I think this is going to be one that we're not going to know until right up to free agency, which is I'm sure no one will talk about it until then, but I'm convinced that we're not going to know the answer to this until pretty much the start of the hilariously named legal tampering period.
2: So I guess when we, we, won't, we definitely won't know if Tom Brady's going to be with, uh, with, with the Chargers and Philip Rivers isn't going to be with the Chargers, but what did you make then of, uh, kind of the shakeout? Obviously, there's a lot of wide receiver and running back goodness here in this team. Obviously, Listen, the listeners of the show will know the love that myself and Sean have for Austin Eckler. And then obviously, if Keenan Allen, who's one of my longtime favorites, Mike Williams had a bit of a breakout season this year for him. And then Hunter Henry, who has had some spike weeks, uh, the injury is still coming back from that, but has all the potential in the world at the tight end position. Uh, I guess at the moment, it's very hard to, to make a definitive statement because you don't know who the quarterback's going to be. But what's your early outlook on those players? Do you think they're you kind know, of players you'd be looking to buy at this moment in time, or do you think we're in a, a sell window? I I think it's a buy window more than anything.
3: See, I'm of the opinion that most of the players. If I own these players, I'm not in a rush to get rid of them. But I don't know, other than Hunter Henry, and I know I'm biased because I love tight ends. Other than Hunter Henry, I wouldn't be rushing out to acquire any of these players. Now, Hunter Henry is—he's still 20, He's only twenty-six. He hasn't played a lot of football because of his injuries, and. Speaking as an Eagles fan, obviously, I'm loathe to use the phrase injury-prone because these are not – I don't think they're all the same injury. I think he's just been incredibly unlucky with the injury he has. Last year, you look at the numbers Hunter Henry put up in 12 games. I mean, he finished number nine among all tight ends in receiving yards, number 10 in terms of receptions, and he was eighth in total touchdowns. In terms of PPR points per game, he was the tight end eight. He played 12 games – well, you st- this is, I mean, this is obviously indica- indicative of what a cesspit it is. A tight end in fantasy, but Hunter Henry was superb when he came in, and given that his age, he's of that age now that you don't want to be drafting rookie tight ends in your dynasty drafts. You want to be waiting two, three, four years until the person who does draft them gets bored, and that's when you swoop in and take them. The other, the only other person that I mean, keep Allen has been pretty much a lock for 1,100 yards and six touchdowns for the last three years. But he had that chemistry with Phil Rivers. I mean, he was the most targeted player in Phil Rivers' time in the NFL, other than Antonio Gates. So that's special company. Austin Eckler has shown that if you want him to be a workhorse, he'll be the workhorse. four games without Melvin Gordon, last year he averaged 27 PPR points per game. And that was with 14 rush attempts. And he was seeing six targets. When Melvin Gordon came back in, the rushing attempts went down to six, but the targets stayed at around six to seven. And his PPR points per game were at 17. So he's shown that he can be what you want him to be. Do you want him to be the workhorse? He can do it. Do you want him to be a complementary piece of your offense? He can do that as well. It's not just Rivers' contract situation. Obviously, contract situation. He's leaving. It's not just Rivers' status that puts Eckler's status up in the air. It's also the fact that I don't think the Chargers are going to come out of this off-season without investing something at running back. Melvin Gordon's gone. That relationship has been destroyed. It's funny how the Chargers seem to have this habit of destroying relationships with people. (laughs) Phil Rivers, Melvin Gordon, the people of San Diego. It's It's a nice little run they're in. It's just a question of how many people they can piss off before everyone grows weary of them. So I think Keenan Allen I would hold. Mike Williams... I just don't see him on the Chargers ever getting a role where he's going to be commanding masses of targets. He's a big play man, and I tend to try and avoid them in Dynasty if I can um, because they're so unpredictable. He'll have the odd week, but he, 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 last season he led the NFL in yards per reception, but he only scored two touchdowns. So I don't really know. If he's, only get, if he's getting four receptions a week for 80 yards, that's, that's eight points, 12 points. It's not really moving the needle in, in PBR format, so certainly not going to do it in dynasty. The Chargers players, as I say, I, I would aggressively go out after Hunter Henry, and I might see what the Austin Eckler owner in my league wants for him. But again, I'm not going to be too aggressive until you know what his role is actually going to be.
2: Yeah, I think there's no doubt. If Garden goes, uh, they're probably going to look through the draft or free agency to take somebody in. But I, I still think that could lead to a situation where Osneckler is getting enough work, being that lead back to be able to like he's produced on small sample sizes. Sometimes he's actually produced on li- limited opportunities better than he has in full, you know, full, uh, you know, twenty carries uh, per game or twenty touches per game roles. Um, mm-hmm. So I th- I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do there. Um, you mentioned Allen. Like I've I've always loved Keenan. I think he could be somebody who. When you look through the numbers of this year, you know, in terms of reception, second in the league, targets, fifth in the league, receiving yards, fifth in the league, drops down then in total touchdowns to 24 uh, overall. I think Keenan Allen, as he gets older, and people talk about dynasty and wide receivers, you know, getting older in age, I think he could be somebody who people probably think he's had a a poorer season last year than he did. And I probably think that then as he gets older, people might be starting to panic. I think he could be an interesting candidate, Uh, but it all depends then on what happens with the quarter quarterback situation but Mike Williams I think is a an interesting one based on just his age and I know you mentioned kind of that boom boss side but if things do come together for him like he's still quite a young wide receiver I think that could happen I think he could still be an interesting one but as you mentioned the one I would be looking to get here is Hunter Henry I, I know you love uh, tight ends both uh, in the NFL and out of the NFL <laughs> but in terms of uh, in terms of the actual player that Hunter Henry is I think coming into this stage, I'm always looking for that kind of third, fourth year tight end, and I think he could be the one who this year really jumps into that top tier of kind of the, the top three tight ends that we have there at the moment. So I think it's going to be a very interesting off season for the Chargers, but the, the quarterback situations around the league make it very murky. But again, that makes for a lot of value uh, if you make those right choices around this time of the season. Speaking of making the right choices, I want to let you know as always about that loyal podcast listener discount. You can get to a road of his NFL Pass right now. It's available through the NFL podcast homepage. That is rotavis.com forward slash podcast. Get ready for the twenty twenty season, get ready for winning those championships next season and gain that unlimited access to all of our NFL content and tools and be ready to make those big moves when you need to in your fantasy rosters. Gain that amazing value and also help support the podcast network. Once again that is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Get yourself a ten percent discount to Rotoviz NFL pass. So Neil, as we jump in here to the second half of the show, we're gonna have a quick look down through some of the prospects that are coming up here in the twenty twenty draft. And as I mentioned on the show with Sean last week, this is the time of the season where I start to dive into these prospects. And a lot of the time I will lean towards guys like yourself, Curtis, Travis May, uh, all the guys doing the the prospect articles up on the site to really help me along the way because college football isn't my strong point. Uh, But you have three candidates that you've uh, written up on the site over the last week or so, uh, Colby Parkinson, Hunter Bryant and Jake Frome. Out of those three guys, uh, I'm going to ask you which one of those are you most excited heading into the NFL? And you know, what makes you uh, want to try and get them that ideal landing spot and then get them onto your uh, dynasty teams for, for 2020 and beyond?
3: Well, it will shock you that it's a tight end. Um, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's Colby Parkinson. Colby Parkinson um, was one of the most you know, highly sought-after recruits coming out of high school. He was the number one tight end prospect in the nation. And the seventh uh, ranked by 24-7 sports as the seventh best player in the whole of California. He had offers to go anywhere he wanted pretty much in college, but he wanted to stay home and he went to Stanford. Now, if you want tight ends, there are a few schools you want to be looking at. One of them is Stanford, and the other one is, uh, is the U. Both of them, and Iowa as well, obviously. They've got you know George Kittle, and Noah Fant, and TJ Hawkinson. They're the three that you need. Need to be keeping an eye out. If you see tight end draft prospect from that school, they're the ones whose eyes really should be open. I've no what I've said about dynasty. You know, you don't want to be investing ridiculously early picks in them. But Parkinson is one of these players that I don't think he's going to be the first tight end taken. I don't even think he's going to be in the the first two or three taken. He probably is someone that we could be looking at like this year's George Kittle in the... Very few people knew him. He wasn't a big part of the offense in college, but actually took to the NFL game quite well. He's not a, the one thing major difference between Parkinson and Kittle is Parkinson isn't that great a blocker. Uh, he's six foot seven, so obviously he's a very big man. But he could stand probably to put on a bit of weight. He was when he was last weighed, he only came in about two hundred thirty-five pounds. You'd think on that frame, he could probably add a little bit more. He is strictly probably a receiving tight end, so he's a move tight end. He's not going to be used in the block. As I so say, he's not going to be a big blocker, which is good because you know, fancy to, you know, I've yet to play in a league that awards tight ends fantasy <laughs> points for blocking, but it does mean that his chances of getting on the field are likely to be limited at first. Uh, he did average nearly fourteen yards per reception in college. He did have a season with seven re- uh, receiving touchdowns, uh, but he only ever had forty-eight yard uh, receptions in one season. As I say, um, one of the, in my opinion, one of the best draft evaluators out there, uh, Ben Solak, he says that he has true straight line explosiveness and long speed, unexpected of a titular tight end. So he's faster. Basically, I like to look at tight ends as like pocket battleships. They're smaller than anything bigger and they're bigger than anything, you know, they're faster than anything stronger and they're stronger than anything faster. Uh, but as I say, Solak does point out that he's not a traditional blocker. Stanford didn't use him particularly imaginatively. They had him running routes that go straight down the field. There wasn't a lot of nuance to it. But given his size and given his weight at the moment, he might actually be a bit quicker than you would expect someone that big. So you've got this idea that he could be a down-the-field threat. And as well, in the red zone, he's six foot seven. You know, there's, there's no cornerback bigger than that. Just throw it up and, ho- and he should catch it. He's young enough as well. He's going into the NFL quite young. Um, he'll be 20. He was 21 in January. And uh, one of our colleagues, Blair Andrews, <clears throat> has done a lot of work on the relationship between career fantasy production and the age of the rookie season. And for tight ends, it's that 20, the 21st year. If you're, playing, if you're a rookie in your 21st year, you are seriously in danger of making some serious noise in terms of fantasy as you go on throughout your career. So he's not, he's, he's not going to get called first day. He's probably not going to get called second day. But once the third day starts, we're going to start looking at teams, with, especially ones with creative head coaches. So I'm looking at, you know, I'll be slightly generous, teams like the Chicago Bears, teams like the New Orleans Saints, teams that, you know they have a few weapons, but probably could do with more to see what they can do with someone like Parkinson, because he is going to be an actual matchup nightmare. I mean, God forbid he actually ends up on the Patriots. As we have seen in the past, they have done something with tight ends. And, you know, last year they were, they were, they were on a front to me and my brand last year, ties there the Patriots with how much they disregarded the tight end position. So I don't think Parkinson's going to, if Parkinson's taken in the first round, I'd be stunned, but he, is someone whose landing spot I will be watching with a great deal of interest
2: yeah it's always interesting too I think sometimes like we've seen last year if the quarterbacks or sorry if the, the tight ends are going off the board and that first round you know the height can get a little bit too too much and I think maybe if somebody gets that back seat, it's a bit better you mentioned the Patriots too if you think of how important tight ends have been to that roster over the last let's say eight nine years it was just uh, almost embarrassing the way it finished out this season but we'll see we'll see what happens there but um, I, I always talk about you know tight ends and you mentioned the good work Blair has done um, in terms of the breakout It's like it is a exceptional for any player to be going into the NFL at that age Um, what is your thoughts on I always tend to try and get them in that kind of third fourth year I always think they drop in value after that first season after that rookie draft Uh, what's your thoughts do you think that there is still a a huge advantage to begin by taking them in the rookie drafts in terms of overall um, value to the position
3: I think it can depend. I mean, we've seen how uh, people like JJ Zacharyson, obviously at number Fire, has done a great, uh, great amount of work on how landing spots can be so important uh, for running backs in rookie drafts. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to come even close to suggesting that it's the same with tight ends, but we have seen that teams that do tend to take tight ends early, especially in the last few years. I mean, the 2017 tight end class was absolutely phenomenal in theory. But you actually look what's happened since then. Evan Ingram was really good as a rookie, hasn't done too much since, hasn't been healthy. David and Joku spent most of this season either unfit or in Freddie Kitchen's bad books. And O.J. Howard was promising but couldn't stay healthy. And then when he could stay healthy, he lands on a Bruce Arians offense. So obviously these are people who, they were taking the first round, you look and think, oh, great athletes, wonderful prospects, maybe they're worth taking early in rookie drafts, and now you might be looking three years down the line trying to desperately to get something for them. So I think some of the likes of Colby Parkinson, who's not going to go early in the, in the draft, it's just worthwhile just maybe looking at who drafts and, and deciding maybe one of your later rookie rounds Uh, rookie draft picks maybe investing in them depending on what you've got at tight end it's as I say uh, I say this in the article if a quote unquote football guy drafts Colby Parkinson forget it because he's not going to block he's not going to stick his, his face in the proverbial fan as it were and you know get down and dirty so there's really no point and there's a danger that if he doesn't get on the field then he'll never get on the field and by the time he gets his second chance he'll have been forgotten about so it can depend. We saw last year, I mean, if you drafted TJ Hawkinson early in your rookie draft, after week one of 2019, you were probably giving yourself the pat on the back to end all pats of the back. <laughs> but then he didn't actually do anything for the rest of the year. And his numbers were slightly inflated by the fact that the Detroit Lions first game of the season went into overtime. So he had more opportunities to catch the ball. And then we saw Noah Fant come on late in the season. Again, he was a, you know, a first round pick or early second it's it is a case by case um, a case by case situation for me, but so landing spot is so important, especially in the modern NFL where we see the more creative minds know how to use tight ends, whereas the slightly more antiquated basically still want them out there blocking eighty percent of the time.
2: Uh, so to finish up today's show on a tight end note, you mentioned three tight ends: Aaron and Joku, OJ Howard and Evan Ingram. I think it. I think still it's quite clear that I think Evan and Grimm would be a higher uh, ranked player in most people's mind. If we look at the other two, then I think there's you know you could say they're pretty close. If you go for Injoku and OJ Howard, who is the the one that our listeners should be going out and uh, trying to trade for this offseason, or should they be avoiding both of them?
3: Well, if if you can avoid both of them, I certainly would. But, <laughs> <clears throat> I think the ba- the best best candidate to bounce back, I think would be Injoku because it's almost got. I know the new regime in Cleveland didn't draft him. The coach didn't, the general manager didn't. But he has a new situation. the, the slate is totally wiped clean. That offense it, it was it didn't look good at times last year. It was a bit disjointed. You know, they could they could try and establish the run. Baker may feel strong for most of the season. I think that Kevin Stefanski, if he comes in, he wasn't a must-feed tight ends at all costs for the Minnesota Vikings. But he did use Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith quite cleverly, especially in the red zone. David Njoku isn't just a red zone weapon. He averaged 11 point, 11 yards after contact. Sorry, 11 yards after the catch in college football, which I think is our friend Matt Kelly's favourite stat of all time. That 11 yards after the catch per reception in college is he's a freakish athlete and he's going to be one that i think people are probably they over they gorged themselves on the browns last year and now maybe there's going to be some value of those pieces this year you know the post-hype sleeper breakout and i think njoku is a player like that oj howard is stuck on a bruce Arians offense and for as much as people said yeah but He's never used a tight end, but he's never had one like this. Yeah, well, now he's had one like this, and we've seen what he does. Nothing. So (laughs) um, I've I've, I've got no interest in it. Don't worry, you know. still like to draft Mike Evans I still want Chris Godwin tight ends if Bruce Evans is there no I'm good I'll take I'll take my chances with Njoku thank you
2: yeah I think uh, I think you need to be a situation I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago with Sean that uh, Njoku would need to be cut to you know to for me to want to go and get him I need to be on a different roster but you mentioned or not Njoku sorry OJ Howard I apologize for that but uh, in terms of Njoku the, the the freakish nature of the athleticism there always is going to pique my interest a little bit so uh, interesting uh, to see what happens with them moving forward that's going to do it for today's edition of the show i hope the listeners have enjoyed this one i have to uh, tip the the hat to mr dutton for jumping aboard the show as i mentioned earlier in the show you can follow him at n.13 uh neil anything coming out that you want to give a quick shout out to the listeners
3: um i say i've got a few more um, draft prospects uh, coming out on the viz uh, this week i'll have one on shocking another tight end Uh, this will be the john Mackey award himself harrison bryant and also one about Jordan Love, who I think, given his deeds at the Senior Bowl last week, has probably solidified himself as a first-round pick. Uh, he's a quarterback from Utah State, uh, State. And he'd probably be one of the first quarterbacks taken after Joe Burrow.
2: So uh, make sure you do check those out. And as I mentioned, follow him on Twitter at n.13 13 My name's Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And until we're back with the show later in the week, previewing the Super Bowl. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on RotoViz Radio. Please rate and review the RotoViz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Road to Biz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to RotoViz at a 10% discount through the RotoViz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.